Hello and welcome back. I am Mario, the artist in Rogue, and this is Radio 74. Stress. Such an incredibly bizarre and amazing word. Because it carries a lot of weight with it. The reason I'm talking about that tonight was just a few days ago I went through quite a bit of stress. I'm not even really sure what triggered it. In fact, I've actually been spending the last few days trying to figure out what went wrong. And you ever have those moments in life when you're going along, you feel like, hey, I'm, you know, I'll use myself as the example here, okay? I had been through therapy, you know, not only going through therapy, but also working with meditation and journaling and picking up my hobbies again, making time for myself when I could. But it only took a stretch of about three to five days where intermittently little bits of it of all the stuff I had been learning to try and level myself out started to fall by the wayside. I never, I guess I never really gave it a thought as to how difficult it really is to stay on a path, on, on this path that you carve out for yourself. Because, you know, most of the time I felt like I've been living in a rut. Like I don't have the capacity or to, or the ability to make the decision-making to make that part of me really blossom. And I know that's really strange, right? I mean, I really am a fairly indecisive person when it comes to a lot of things in life, even more so. In fact, the more personal it is, the harder it is for me. I know when there's been plenty of times whenever I'll have, it, it's a, it's a working dichotomy that I have. I'll use my poetry for an example. There are some days where if someone was to tell me, I need you to sit down and write some prose, some poetry, anything, a short story, something about this particular subject matter, whatever it is, I couldn't do it. But then when the muse hits me and I'm out somewhere, maybe I'm in the middle of doing some photography of some, you know, broken down housing or something. All of a sudden, a story starts to write itself, and I can't even get my phone out fast enough to really start to grasp everything. At times, I just quickly flick on the voice recorder and start babbling out little verses and bits and, you know, rhyming words and, you know, beats, so that that way I have a record of it that I can go back to. But a lot of times, if I'm lucky, well, a few of the times if I'm lucky, not a lot of the times... I'm able to quickly start writing it down and it flows. And before I know it, I have a new work done in about three to five minutes. I've had illustration work go the exact same way. When that happens, it's amazing. It's fulfilling. It's just the most glorious freaking feeling on the planet. And for that moment, the serotonin hit is just addictive as shit. It's absolutely wild. And it's really easy to get addicted to that sort of phenomenal feeling. I, I don't do, um, I don't smoke pot. I don't drink to, uh, to hide any emotions or do anything else like that. Uh, I don't, I don't use anything to really, uh, enhance anything that I do. And, and I don't have any, I don't have anything against anyone that does, but for me, it was always something where I wanted to have at least, a, at least a little bit more control over, what my output was to some degree. But in recent days, going back to the whole stress-related factor, I found myself 
veering away from the freedom and the abilities that I had given myself. And I felt myself somewhat truncated um, or maybe constrained. And it's weird. It, the, the whole thing is it's so innocuous when it just creeps up on you. And before you know it, you're, you're back in that same rut. And now you've got to take a shovel, a pickaxe, something, and just drive yourself down this other path. You've got to clear a path through the forest or do something else or maybe just switch lanes. It can be that overall encompassingly hard to really realize sometimes when things are going south for you. And for me, it was absolutely that. The first thing I noticed was I seemed to be a little bit off. I was walking around in kind of a haze and I had this real, you know, limited sort of, I don't know, it it just seemed like for every thought that I had, it seemed truncated. It just seemed like it was shutting down before it had a chance to truly manifest or complete itself in any way. I was finding myself more and more. And I know that this part is a, uh, it's a product of depression, but there would be days where I like, for instance, the other day I woke up and because I, I, it was the first day that I started having these little dizzy spells and bits of vertigo. And I was a little worried. I thought, okay, is that an old neck injury acting up? Is it fatigue? Is it dehydration? What's going on? But I woke up on one of the days and I was determined to just do everything I could. I was running errands. I was cleaning the studio. I was trying to plan out some projects. I was like bound and determined. I made myself a checklist of like 16 things to get accomplished. By the end of the day, I only had 10 of them done. Not even by the end of the day. This was probably by around, oh, two o'clock in the afternoon. And I had started my day right around 6.30 a.m. And throughout the day, I was just, I was like, no, I got to get my plants planted outside, get new soil put out there. I got to clean out the bird feeders. I've got to get some artwork organized. I've got to get some bids in for some jobs. I need to get back on track. My social media is starting to fall apart. My, as far as my updates and posting, I just wasn't getting things done. One thing was leading to another piling on top of each other. And the list was a physical manifestation of everything that I wasn't getting done. Now, thankfully, I was able to somehow power through the majority of what really bugged me is the whole adage of like, eat the frog first. And which is a really good, it's a really good habit that I picked up from my hero's journal. There's a, there's three things that you're supposed to do every day that you can write out for yourself. And one of them has a little frog next to it. And uh, that, that whole concept of eat the frog has followed me for years. Uh, years ago, I remember that at uh, a job that I had for a little while working for an online reseller, the, there was a lady that had worked, uh, no, she was the wife of one of the owners. And I noticed that uh, she sometimes would seem a little overly concerned by the amount of work that I was getting. And for my birthday, I wasn't at the job very long there, but I was there during the month when I did have my birthday. She got me a book that said, eat the frog and the entire concept of the book. You guys might very well be familiar with it. Um, I don't remember the author right now, but it's just one of those small gift novelty books. And I didn't expect a lot out of it. But when I read it, it was essentially saying, if you have any one ugly thing you have to do in life, it, it, could be compared the metaphor the analogy being used is that it's like eating a live frog so do that get it out of the way first it's going to be the most painful repulsive antagonistically bad thing you could do now preemptively to you know to to put this qualifier on it 
I also agree, too, that there's a lot of things in life that we end up hyping up in our own minds and they don't turn out to be as bad as we think they're going to be. And I and I am a complete and total subscriber to that ideology because there's plenty of times when I'll work myself up about something that isn't that big of a deal. And when I can remove myself and step back and look at something with a clearer mindset, then it's fine. But even that fell by the wayside. I was finding myself in moments where the zone of thinking was, what am I going to do? Like being completely and totally honest about this. There were moments when I thought, what am I going to do about income for this stretch of time? Is my artwork still going to sell? Okay, now I'm having some problems with my store. Oh, okay, well, this product didn't really work out. And somebody wrote me an email saying, hey, this isn't exactly what I want. Can you do it in this or this? Which, you know, a lot of people don't realize that that's still additional time to either create new products or try and, you know, redefine what I'm offering for people that maybe want it done their, their particular way, right? And these are challenges that they're not unwelcome, but they are surprising. I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, to some degree, all my life, I've always worked in some level of either product promotion or product development indirectly. And I understand how your basic consumer can go about wanting to interact with a store or products and the questions they have. And there's really nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you're going to put down your hard earned money and Lord knows wages today are pretty abysmal for your average worker, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you're, well, essentially the consumer wants their ROI to be worthwhile. ROI being return on investment for those that don't know. And it's funny at the same time that it's stressful because a part of me absolutely understands that there have been many times like on Etsy or other places like that. I've written sellers and creators and asked, well, could I have that this way? Or could I, you do this? Do you accept custom orders? I usually am really careful trotting that because I want to make sure that I'm not stepping on anyone's feelings or emotions or, you know, Everybody's having rough days these days. And this goes beyond the whole COVID thing. I mean, at some point in time, let me give a little side note here. I'll be really happy when I don't have to continually look at COVID as this benchmark of just annoyance and frustration and stress. <laughs> so that was all one aspect that I'd gone through was just, you know, okay, here's the problems with this. Another aspect that also hit me that I wasn't really thinking was affecting me that much was just, and I think the majority of you listening to this can understand this, family can be a big thing. And when I mean that, I mean it can be a big negative or it can be a big positive or it can also annoyingly be this middle of the road sort of thing that just you deal with and you do the best you can. I love my parents dearly. I'm very lucky and very blessed to have them both still. And there's a lot of times whenever I talk to them that I have to remember that the biggest challenge is just remembering they're of a different generation than me. And when people get older, they can get sometimes more paranoid or more angry at the system. They can get more angry at just life in general. I mean, just when you've amassed all this knowledge and time and experience, you're now getting so old that either... You're, you've got bum knees or your back is out or diabetes is bad or any number of things, right? And when that sort of stuff happens, of course, people are going to be cantankerous and they're going to be just pissed. <laughs> There's no other word for it. And 
I mean, I certainly feel that sort of thing creeping up on me from time to time. There's back pains I have, old injuries from doing uh, security and medieval reenactment and stuff. You know, old hobbies when I was younger that certainly, you know, they they raise their ugly head from time to time. And it's never fun. But I also look at that and I try my best to deal with it. And in therapy, the you know, my, my therapist has often told me, like, if you're ever faced with something like this, materialize a container in your mind. Now, for any of you that have been listening to this or followed me on any other social media, you know what I'm talking about. Containers are these, they're manifestations of a real container. You, you're supposed to, ideally, you have a container in your home or work or somewhere near you. For me, it's these two metal containers that are used for watercolor. They're beautiful locking lids or stainless steel. Uh, you can, they're, they're watertight and everything. I, and they, the idea is you have these containers that you can lock down and you can open up when you're ready to deal with them. And for the most part, I'd been fairly successful. Whenever something would go wrong, um, I had a monitor that I thought was going out on me. I had an issue with my computer that turned out to not be too terrible, but something I needed to work on. Um, I had an issue with an art supply. I had an issue with my parents. It doesn't matter. Uh, from big to little, little to big, whatever. You take those things and you place them into containers. And then either later in the day, whenever you're journaling or you're thinking, you're meditating, or you're just ready in general to face them. You pop open each one, one at a time, take that problem out and look at it, deal with it, try and reconfigure it, try and understand it, try to find why it's a problem. It gives you that moment to breathe, to be able to essentially completely remove yourself and the problem from the rest of your life, just if just for a little while. And think of it in the best and clearest way you can. Now, for the most part, I'm able to do that and it's fine. But I also have this other thing that goes hand in hand with this. So for the most part, I'm an introvert. Now, I know a lot of people have probably said you are the last thing in the world that I would consider an introvert. You're on TikTok, you're on Instagram, you're on YouTube, you've got a podcast, you do a show every every week. Uh, we missed this week. That's a whole other story. <laughs> and... You know, and, and I get that, but it's my ability to live vicariously through myself. Uh, it's it's sort of a character of me. It's kind of a different version of me uh, at the exact same time as very much me. And so when I do that, I'm able to put that out there, but I, it takes all of the energy I have to do that. And after that, I, I simply want to shut down and sit in the dark in a room, in a closet, you know, whatever, just to get away and just have a semblance of peace for a while. And I know that my, uh, my overall character, my personality is one that could be compared to being on a roller coaster. Well, because of all of that for the last few days, it really did come to a head. I wasn't able to catch up and do the things like putting stuff into containers mentally. I wasn't able to journal, which I will probably end up doing as soon as I get this very cathartic podcast out of the way. I wasn't able to really even think about exercising. I My eating habits had gotten really, really shitty. I just messed up on so many things. And then all of a sudden when that's happening, then really jacked up memories start coming into your head. You know, like insecurities and self-doubt and all of these things. 
And I had a real moment where I was getting scared because, and, and thank goodness a doctor's appointment that I had scheduled a month prior coincided with these dizzy spells I had. And I was able to go in and speak to my doctor. I, I completely and totally trust this guy. Um, I never thought I'd find a doctor that was able to actually work with me and would listen. That's, that's a huge rarity today. But at the exact same time, I think it's a two-way circle or two-way or two street, not circle. Uh, that would be a, a roundabout. Nobody wants to be on that. And uh, because I'm also able to confer with him and tell him how I feel, which I think a lot of people are so worried about the end result of saying something. And then all of a sudden, well, no, I'm on another pill or I'm on this other medication or something like that. Well, yeah, that's kind of what happens if you don't take care of yourself or if something just goes bad, you have to deal with it, you know, but a doctor isn't a mind reader. So when I went in, I told him, hey, you know, I've been having some stress, all these other things. And, you know, he took the time to talk about it. And he was concerned. He's like, okay, dizzy spells can be attributed to a lot of things. Let's check. You know, let's, let's kind of do a little bit of a physical. So he was checking, you know, um, my heart rate, lung breath, you know, uh, breathing ability. Um, you know, weight is an issue. I got bad knees. Um, I, I'm not as active as I once was when I was still working at the museum, working, you know, walking literally 15 hours a day, indoor and outdoor, upstairs, downstairs, everywhere in that damn museum. And I don't go into an office anymore and walk around. So the majority of my time is spent in my studio. And I, I believe me, I'm not regretting that. I have worked a long time in my life to be able to be to be in one place, to be able to work in my studio and, and have this. And for what it's worth, I always think about how grateful I am for that, that I don't have to necessarily do and go anywhere else. I don't have to deal with rush hour. I don't have to deal with a lot of things, knock on wood. But at the exact same time, it there's a lot of sacrifices that come with that, you know, because it isn't always a full-time job. It rarely is, except for unpaid work that I have to do do other things so all of that stuff started coming up and I was telling my doctor about this I was like you know here's where I'm am sitting with this and this sort of thing and it was really weird I don't think he expected it to turn to a counseling session but I think it was echoes of the therapy session I'd had on Monday which was right around the time that the first bits the first inklings of this stress started to come in and so when all of that was happening and I was telling him about it he simply said well Let's focus on your blood pressure because my blood pressure had been extremely high. Man, this is so weird. It's starting to sound more like a medical podcast, like a terrible one. But my 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 blood pressure was 197 over 92, which is horrible. That is that's not just horrible, that's scary. It was to the point that where I told the the nurse that came in first who was taking my blood pressure and thank goodness it had dropped down to 135 over 82. And then it normalized further when the doctor remeasured, uh, you know, did the whole armband and took the blood pressure again. And thankfully, you know, that was good, but it still made me wonder what was that spike from earlier? What happened? You know, what was it that I was dealing with? And the only way I've found to deal with stress aside from all of the other stuff that I told you, which is again, to, to recount all of it, you know, the, the meditation, the, the exercise, the focusing on hobbies because and I'm going to break those down here really quickly meditation isn't for everybody but sometimes just sitting in silence being able to give yourself some time I'm talking like 
even if it's not the best of circumstances, if you got a couple bucks in change, or even if you don't, go find somewhere quiet to sit. Go to the library, get some books, and then just sit in the parking lot for a little while and think. Go to, if you if you do retail therapy, after you do your little bit of retail therapy, go sit in the car and just record your thoughts and then listen to yourself. Sometimes, as crazy as that sounds, that can be the most comforting feeling in the whole freaking world. It also gives you some levity and some ability to reflect upon your own words. Nobody else has to hear it. Nobody. You don't have to make a podcast. You don't have to be crazy and egotistical like me and put this out there and assume that people are going to go like, well, this guy's really crazy. No, just keep it to yourself. It's one of the easiest things in the world you can do. Um, but if you feel like sharing, if you feel like doing something like this, then put it out there. I, you know, I'm lucky that I have people that are even halfway interested in what I want to say, or they can relate to things that I talk about, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's, you know, the way to go about everything. I mean, it can be really just for your own self-satisfaction. The whole exercise thing, exercise doesn't have to be, you know, getting ready for CrossFit. It doesn't have to be lifting massive weights. It could be simply walking in a park anywhere else. It doesn't matter. Go to the museum. Um, when you're doing your retail therapy, make sure you walk around the entire store. Take in all of the stuff that's popular, that's being designed, that's on sale. You never know. I actually did that the other day, and I was walking around. I don't even remember what store I was in. What store was I in? Oh, I was in a Walmart, <laughs> a rather large one. And I got really excited because there was a particular action figure this is super nerdy, but it's from Defenders of the Earth. It's the old, I think, Universal Syndicate's uh, heroes. So it's like Mandrake the Magi Magician, the Phantom, and Ming the Merciless, the villain from the Flash Gordon serials that I grew up on. And the figure is amazing. He's now sitting over on a bookshelf over here, and it looks phenomenal. And it was like on sale for like $11. Great figure. And so there was a little bit of a reward in there. And... and the idea, though, is the ultimate reward is your own sanity and self-care. And it was something that I had completely forgotten. So going back to the doctor's appointment, I left there and I was really upset. Because you see, all this time I'd been writing in journals. I'd been trying to, I've been trying to organize where I was going in my career, in my path. And I realized how many ghosts I still had hanging around, how much self-doubt and anxiety and anger I had. And it was coming to a head. I think I've told this before in another podcast quite a while back. The worst anxiety attack I'd ever had, ever, didn't even seem like an anxiety attack. Years ago, when uh, I was still working full-time at Hallmark, had an incident where I didn't get along with the manager and uh, it was the new manager that had come in and my old manager still hadn't still hadn't quit yet. She hadn't moved on. And I asked to talk to her and I said, I don't know what's wrong. And for about three or four days, I was going to work and I had this like burning sensation in my stomach. In fact, like I'm getting a little anxiety thinking about it, but this is healthy to talk through it. And Maybe this will help some of you that are in a similar circumstance. It hit me that even though I talked to my boss and she was able to calm me down, I was sitting there in this 
room, the room felt small and just claustrophobic and humid and dry at the same time. And it felt like my head was filled with cotton. I just didn't feel right. I felt really, really messed up. And um, I wasn't having a good week. I, at that point in time, I'd, I'd managed to also uh, really offend and annoy a, uh, a person who would later become a really good friend. And uh, that, that just devastated me, you know, because I, I think it, I think at that time it was a little bit of a cry for help or just trying to talk to anybody, somebody at work that might understand what I was going through. And I, I certainly, you know, when you're, when you're already ailing, when you're trying to reach out for help, there's that zone where some people might interpret it as, well, they're being really needy or very weird, but I, I've always been a socially awkward person anyway. And then this circumstance came up where I was having this problem with this manager and everybody was like, well, just don't worry about it. Just move on. You know, that's how that's that's what it is working corporate. And I've never been able to fit into corporate every single time I've ever tried. I failed miserably. And so it came to a head to where I went and talked to my boss and explained everything that was going on. And the entire time that I'm sitting in there, I can, you know, all of what I said before was happening. I could feel my own heartbeat. My breathing was weird. I felt this like somebody had just poured like acid into my stomach and I did not feel right. And I just kept having this feeling like, Oh God, I'm about to throw up. And I said, you know, got through it. And I said, like, I, I kind of need to have the rest of the day off. I know this is terrible. It's a short notice. I don't feel good. She goes, no, I understand. That's fine. And I left and, um, I drove home, got here, unlocked the door, walked in and then, there was something that overcame me and my body was like, well, we're home now. And I barely made it to the bathroom. And, you know, hopefully this doesn't trigger anyone. This was absolutely disgusting. I projectile vomited. Like I've ne- like I've only ever seen drunks do this. What I did was Guinness Book of World Records volumes. And it was like, I'm pretty sure that somewhere a Catholic priest was like, he just threw up his spirit. It was that bad. I, I don't even know how I'm not sure. I'm, I'm fair. I, I totally understand how the little girl in the exorcist feels felt, whatever <laughs> it was. It was monumental. It was horrifying. And it was like, it was just the most gross vision view of life I've ever had happen and I've only ever gotten that sick a few times and this was completely and totally nerves it was that it was the culmination of weeks of waking up and taking a shirt off a hanger angrily or just putting on my pants my shoes tying my my sneakers really harshly driving a little more aggressively just being pissy about everything, not finding any joy in food, just hating my job, hating the person that I knew I had to report to. And it all came, the comeuppance of it was this volatile end that when it happened, it, it, I don't, I couldn't even tell you how long it happened. And I sat down on the floor and I, I don't even remember how, I think I laughed for a little bit because it was over and then I cried horribly 
like ugly cry, like the kind of ugly cry where you just you see it in a movie. And you're like, oh, nobody cries like that. Bullshit. Yes, we do. Yes, we fucking do. And it hit. It hit so goddamn hard that I I don't think I'd ever want to go through that again. In fact, I've taken measures because of it. it indirectly led years later to me doing therapy and stuff. Well, I just don't want to ever have a breakdown like that ever again. And, you know, it was it was so insane when it happened that it affected me for a long time. It's I'll forever remember that moment. And the next I think it was actually a Friday. Now that I think about it, I believe that was on a Friday. So I took off early on a Friday and I came back Monday and I was better. Or at least I thought I was. For the most part, I was. I was able to just relax that weekend. I didn't do, I didn't do anything. I, I literally just kept to myself. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't hang out with anybody. I didn't see anybody. And that was okay. But it didn't really prepare me for coming back Monday because the stress was still there. And I think at that time, I realized that stress is one of those things that you have to find a way to either cope with it or directly deal with it. I am not a person that copes with things very well. I'm a problem solver and one that has a tenacious drive to want to get something solved immediately. I don't like long-term solutions. I like quick fixes that have permanence and utility and perseverance that can outlast what other people believe they would have been able to. Um, I approach that with a lot of my work, I think, with my artwork that I create, with things I do. The main reason for that is because I also tend to have a little bit of ADHD, and I don't like taking a long time to do anything. I just, I get bored really quickly, and I know that about myself. So whenever I deal with stress, I have to have those same sort of factors. Because for me, stress is the antithesis of a good thing in more ways than it just being stressed in the way that it hangs around. In the way that it just refuses to leave unless you deal with it. So I I think in the end, after that happened, I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to allow myself to ever go through something like that again. Now, that is only so applicable on my side because I'm in control for the most part, or so I thought I was, of what happens to me. But because of the recent bit of stress that I went through and these lightheaded incidents, you know, where I was feeling vertigo and dizzy and all of these things, I kept thinking to myself, well, what do I do now? And I know it's going to sound really crazy, but I mean, the basis of it is a lack of serotonin. You know, I, at least I thought it was, I wasn't feeling really great. And I was like, I, I just haven't really been feeling like myself. And I, so I started looking at the things that were missing in life. And the only thing I was able to figure out was like, okay, I haven't had a McDonald's shake in about seven months. As a diabetic, I don't really need that. That's the last damn thing I need. I think that's my sugar content for the week. But I went and got one. I took some extra metformin just to counteract it. I'm fine. But then I, I went to the pet store. Because I was leaving to go get cat food and dog food. And uh, and I was trying to, you know, focus on positive things. And I was like, fuck it. I went to McDonald's. I got the largest vanilla shake they would give me. Overpriced as, ha- overpriced as hell. 
at 475. Ridiculous. But I got it. And I think I was I think oh I <laughs> I I turned on my phone to look at something on YouTube while I was in the drive-thru and on the playlist recommended it had been a while since the, anything like this had come up but Rage Against the Machines Bull on, Bulls on Parade came up and all the way to Petco and all the way back home I listened to Rage Against the Machine suddenly in this sugar induced sort of revolutionary mindset that I had while rocking an incredible amount of savings from Petco I understood every goddamn word Zach De La Roca was saying. It was, it was just, oh God, it was gospel. And I, that's even a dirty way to say it. It was just, it made me realize that I can sit here and say that I have control over my stress. It's not the same as doing something about it. It's not the same thing as stating it. It's not the same thing as facing it. And that's ultimately what my takeaway from this was. So hopefully these incredibly bizarre 30 minutes of storytelling will give somebody out there some insight. I hope it helped. I really do. I try to keep an upbeat and positive outlook on a lot of things in life because for a long time I was fairly negative. I just really didn't think that I, I think I swung for the fences and managed to hit a ball somewhere into the outfield that landed near nihilism. That's not a great place to be. Nihilism has its place in our lives. This is true. Uh, but at the exact same time, it can overwhelm you and it can also be a void that becomes just like a rut that you're stuck in. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and get off here and get back to work on some other stuff. Thank you all so much for listening to these podcasts. Thank you for those of you that have reached out and sent notes over the, over the time that I've been doing this. I really appreciate that. This is the one time that I can just close my eyes. And there's a little bit of trivia for you guys. Most of the time when I do these podcasts, my eyes are closed and I'm just free flow thinking. There's a few that I script, not a lot of them. I like these free flow ones much more and I have the ability to, um, to relax a lot more <laughs> whenever I do something like this, because it's just like having a conversation with a friend. So I'd love to hear if any of you guys have any other ways that you deal with stress or that you've had, or even your experiences when it's been really bad, you know, what, how did you come out on the other side? You know, what have you found that's worked for you? I'm all ears. I don't know everything. I, I know that. Uh, I'm certainly not the smartest man in the room. And I've often found that, you know, other people have had some amazing journeys in trying to overcome this stuff. And that's at least a light at the end of my tunnel that there's hope that I can find and figure out something from there. In the meantime, like usual, you guys can find me on a lot of different social media. I've really, really been enjoying TikTok. That's been a lot of fun. I had a little bit of a of a down uh, a down bit where I didn't really put up any content for a few days, but I'm back at it. I just uploaded one here about 30 minutes ago, right before this podcast, and uh, I've been showcasing my artwork on there and connecting with people that uh, they're just I would never have connected with them on any other platform. So I'm really grateful for the uh, for the exposure and for the interactions on there as well too. 
it's been a lot of fun. I'm trying to look at social media as more something where it is just being more social media, not a need, not a point of stress because I don't like living in that zone. And uh, again, if this helped you, I'm grateful. If it didn't, and it was even just a little bit of escapism, listening to this crazy guy go on and on, and it helped in some way, great. Fantastic. <laughs> Have a good night, and I will catch you in the next episode. Until then, I'm Mario the Artisan Rogue. Remember to support your local artists. And if you get a chance, you can follow me anywhere on social media. I'll, you know, just look up the, the, at the Artisan Rogue. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. My Facebook page is The Artisan Rogue. And my blog is TheArtisanRogue.com. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.